right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here in the Kill House studio. DJ Pie here in the Kill House studio. To my left, hello, DJ. Hey, guys. How are you? Big Randy is to my right on the screen, uh, calling in from our Denver headquarter office. Big Randy, how are you tonight? He's back. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, you guys. Uh, first, first item on the agenda is just to talk about how bad of guys you are, because I have a feeling we, we're going to have to hash hash a few things out as we usually do. <laughs> If you've been paying any attention, you've heard us talk about the all-new Callaway Apex 21 irons, the Apex Pros, the new forgiving Apex DCB models. Many golfers, including PGA Tour players like Phil Mickelson and Mark Leishman, who I believe... Ever heard of him? I believe is a topic of conversation this week, uh, actually have a few different irons in the bag. They don't have uniform sets. A lot of players need, you know, you need forgiveness in the longer irons, but kind of prefer the shot shaping and control of a more player's iron in the shorter clubs, if you will. Uh, Callaway's Apex irons can be blended across the different models to help you build your ideal setup. They got combo set offerings for the players out there featuring the muscle backs and the Apex Pros. Uh, so that's for like... You know, I don't even know who that's for. That's I don't I don't mess with the with the muscle backs. Yeah, that's a, that's the four hundred level class. That's for the people who just find golf to be way too easy. Yes, or they got something for the player that likes a bit of everything with the triple play combo of Apex Pro, Apex Twenty One, and the Apex DCBs. Uh, you can do all kinds of different things. DJ, I believe you have a combo set currently. I do have a combo set. Uh, I have the everything eight and shorter is the Apex Pro, and everything seven and higher is the apex which we should talk about that later on i think we will i would love to talk about that okay yeah, yeah. um so go to callawaygolf.com apex for more about the apex irons and combo set options combo set is is intriguing i need to i want to, i want you to learn me up on that okay i'd be happy to mark leishman and cameron smith are uh the winners of the zurich classic uh big randy i'm just going to throw it to you for your immediate reaction i know you probably watched a ton of golf you know this week especially not just on sunday what a what an unfair advantage this was for uh team international for the next president's cup having <laughs> two squads down the stretch pressure pack situation playing foursomes that's all i could think about this is disgusting you can't pay for that kind of experience no no um no excuses next next president's cup if if team international can't get it done besides that uh great to see leishman and cam smith get a w i'm curious how you guys feel I, i'm a little uneasy Given both guys a full win, I almost feel like, you know, we should go to half wins for events like these. But, uh, yeah, a little bit of a battle of who wanted it less there down the stretch. But uh, I guess it made it compelling. few things to react to there. I actually did see some very non-ironic, well, well Trevor Immelman's got to be really pleased by this President's Cup team, you know, potential pairings for the President's Cup here. Uh, which, yeah, very clearly this event here in April is going to be a big dictator for uh, next year's President's Cup, which <laughs> Quail Hollow, I don't even remember where it is. Uh, it's a true who could say. Who could say. No, it is at Quail Hollow. Um, all right, so, Randy, I'm going to throw this at you. I think, all right, for if we're going to call these half wins, Cam Smith has won it twice. Exactly. But I, don't, I think that means it's two full wins for him, right? Like, he's very clearly the key piece. Well, he's won. He's done it twice. And he's won both in playoffs. Exactly. Which even is a further punctuation mark. Right. So I'm happy giving him two wins. 
So one win is a half, but two wins is two full wins. It's what like do you think of that? It's like validating. Yes. Yeah. I, I like that. I could be talked into that. And yeah. one, one thing we know for damn sure <laughs> is that if Finau would have won, it would not have counted as a full <laughs> win. So I do appreciate you, you know, kind of getting out in front of that one, Randy. Of course. Of course. I'm, I'm, I, I have integrity. I think a lot of people sometimes forget that. But, you know, I call them like I see them. Let's not skip past the, the winners of the tournament and, and oh, quit okay. trying to drag Big Tone into this. You know, we didn't even do it. You're You're so spooked. That you're trying to get out in front of it. Not we didn't even close. say anything. Honestly, All, the honestly, whole private no. chat is just big tone, that's, big tone, big tone. That's what's fucked up. It wasn't even that. It wasn't even popping oh, off no. today. No, it wasn't. We didn't even. It was. It was. Oh, you know what, man? I've seen this movie before. I don't. I don't even really want to talk about it today. Randy, we did. We even gloat today. I thought it was oh. actually. I, I did say it was a triumph that they got it in under eighty today. I thought that I, was very cool. That was I the only thought, thing I said. I thought you wanted to talk about the winners. I thought you're you right, said you wanted to right. talk about well, the you, winners. You, you off course me here. I did nothing. I did nothing of the sort. Let's talk about the winners. What? Saul, you tell me. What makes Cam and Big Leash a good team? And it's not just that they're both from Australia. Well, I was going to start with they're from Australia. I don't know if you heard, but God, gosh, just the team chemistry. Leash coming out with the mullet, you know, on Saturday. I mean, you just can't you can't replicate that. Are, no. are, are there two guys in the face of the earth that can that are, are better at just getting up and down from totally oh. fucked up spots? That was awesome to watch. Not to sidebar this into TPC Louisiana just yet, but I feel like whatever they did with the redo with the, the new grass made the golf course way more interesting than I remember. Being I kind of enjoyed I enjoyed watching it, today. it especially yeah. all shot. I mean, yeah. it was like a scramble for it, it encouraged a lot of different kind of shots. Uh, Faldo, I think, said you should be scuttling, scuttlebutting it up there, you know, just on repeat. He could not believe anybody was putting anything airborne around the greens. Uh, I just thought that made for some interesting golf. That that style where, like, the different shot shapes and the short grass around the green is going to play into Australians' hands. Like, these guys grew up playing somewhat of that style of golf on somewhat similar grass. They play the Kaikuya grass down <laughs> under, but this is Tiff Eagle Bermuda around the greens and whatnot. But Gosh, mm. the results speak for themselves. I mean, that was just a class, class performance. Leash's chip in on 16 was probably the highlight of the tournament. A lot of people writing in about maybe their drop on that hole, but there was an official there and saw some images that well, maybe didn't look great. I mean, I'm not going to... If it was Reed, we probably would have had an issue with it. Is that fair to say? <laughs> I, I've been deeply publicized as, you know, I'm not big on on where did it cross Twitter or or <laughs> where are they dropping it Twitter. I, I I leave that fully in the hands of the officials. I, I really, truly don't care about that stuff. It seemed like somehow they got, like, pin high, and I don't know... I, I wasn't I wasn't paying attention too closely, but uh, they know, dropped whatever. it right where right where it bounced yeah. in. Well, yeah, it, it took it. It did take a very generous bounce to where it, it crossed the line and then came back down. Right, but the aerial view of where they put the tee in the ground and then where they put the two club links was very much like. Uh, what uh, was I don't know Ian Baker Finch talking about it, about how it was like who a, could say it whatever was like you're a, gonna say it was like a windshield like the the way that the drop line moves is uh, I think that you're basically dealing with like a radius or something it's again this is why I, this is why I don't care about this yeah. and I leave I leave this truly to the professionals if there was an official there I trust the system big leash is beyond reproach there's no way come on he's not taking a scummy drop these are these are two absolute class act gentlemen we're talking about is the rule still the same though if you if you drop your ball and the caddy misses it and goes in the water don't you have to like go fetch it you might. No, I, well, I think it's if the ball no, is no, still no, in play. Yeah, exactly. If they toss you the ball and you, it goes in the water. That's what happened to a uh, couple guys. Dustin Johnson, I think, did that once. I think Ian Poulter did that once. They might have both been on the fourth hole at TBC Sawgrass. Matty was a total pro's pro. He, you know, he put the glove hand down. You know, was 
on the ground. There was no flinch in that ball coming underneath. You I got to see it right into the glove. I took enough. You're going to make a play. Four seamers off the face exactly. playing shortstop growing up to know that there's a little flinch when that ball starts running towards you. So, no, gosh, I mean, they just outlasted him. I think is it time to talk about Louis and uh, and Charles? As far as what? I mean, what? I mean, you know, what was that shot on 18? <laughs> Louis might hate winning. I think we've we've talked about this for a while. I, first of all, I, I think that four ball. Somebody somebody said this in the comments. It might have been the, the most chilled out, like kind of likable final four ball you you could have possibly had. That was like obviously we're going to root for Leash and and Cam, but that was uh it was just fun to see you know a couple good teams coming down the stretch. But Louis one of those guys that you know we always we bag on Fino, and I think we bag on Fino because he has you bag because <laughs> he uh he has all the physical gifts and he like should be so much better. Than he possibly is, but yeah, Louis gets a complete pass for literally having never won in the United States. It's crazy. And we went through that stretch at the majors a couple years ago where it was just everybody was like, Oh, could be Louis week, could be Louis week. It's like, dude, he just he never wins. He's got a major, <laughs> he's got a major. It was 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's been Louie time for far too long. I was gonna. I just wanted to make sure you guys were gonna be consistent on the. He doesn't. He doesn't like consistently perform nearly to like the level that like Tony does. You know what I mean? I mean, he's had obviously some huge finishes in big big tournaments that Finau has not had, but he's not just a week to week force on the PGA Tour. And it probably doesn't get talked about enough that he ships a mattress between. <laughs> How does he do it? Do he still know? do that? Yeah. They talked about it on the broadcast today. Unbelievable. Do we know how he gets the mattress from, you know, he doesn't fly with it, right? I mean, I'm guessing, I don't know if you're setting this up, but I'm guessing it's a UPS thing. Oh, <laughs> didn't even think about that. <laughs> I'm guessing his hitters at Big Brown have him, have him taken care of. Do they stand by on Sunday night and get it to the next place by Monday? Like, how does that, I just don't know how that works. It just seems like a, a massive logistical headache. Maybe it's one of those things. Aren't there guys that drive guys golf clubs from events to events? Really? I think there's a, at least I think they're... At one point, there was a guy that like does it. He puts them in the back of a truck of some kind, so guys don't have to fly with clubs and worry about clubs getting lost. Um, that wouldn't make a ton I, of sense. I know that that was the issue on the LPGA tour. Or they did that on the, or right. somebody did it on the LPGA tour, and uh, Lexi Thompson had yeah, a yeah, passport yeah. in the bag or something like that, <laughs> and had a bunch of stuff go wrong. But anyways, they um, get the nomad. They get the nomads to drive them. <laughs> <laughs> By the time this airs, you know people are going to know. You think Nomadland won or what? God, I hope not. <laughs> It's super, that offline. it's super hard to break down the week because we don't have like strokes gain stats and everything for a team event. I mean, I assume they just made a shitload of birdies and not as many <laughs> bogeys. This is the reason why they won. But it is really refreshing. I don't want to say really refreshing. It's refreshing to watch a totally different tournament. I think uh, maybe we can talk about format now. I don't see a reason why we have to play four ball on Saturday and Thursday. Four ball outside of match play just does I mean, it doesn't do anything right. for me. I, I, I don't know. It just feels like... Uh, it, yeah, it's. I, I honestly can't even really expound. It just doesn't. All shot was awesome. I loved watching today, but I do think if this is a a four ball Sunday, I mean, it just feels a lot lamer. And a lot of the people in the replies and stuff even are kind of, you know, oh, it's really fun to see the birdie fest. And it's like, is it though? Is it? Like, I don't, I don't really know that it is. I, I don't think if this is a four ball event on on Sunday, I definitely don't think I'm tuning in. Big Randy, where are you at on that? Just going through the scores, it looks like the four ball is what separates the the teams. You know, like the the alt shot tends to hover right around, you know, across the two rounds, par, one under, one over. I, I don't know. Maybe a third round, you get a little bit more uh, variability, but I, I think you need 
something besides foursomes just to, you know, get a little separation. And I do or, think or maybe that's just this year. I, I don't know. But it seems like the alt shot tends to be more around level par. And I do think, too, that, you know, talking to a couple guys in the event and stuff, it, it seems like a really fun event for the players to play in. And some of that might be because you have those two four ball kind of breather rounds. Whereas if it was four, I mean, all shots really hard. Yeah. You, you saw it coming down the stretch. It's really stressful. It's really easy to play horrible. Uh, you know, it's easy for a guy like Finau to go shoot 76. You know, it's just Finau and Cameron <laughs> Champ, his partner. <laughs> I didn't see a lot of horrible what, highlights. What were you looking for? Champ, what were you looking for? I'm, nevertheless, if it is four days of all shot and just getting punched in the face, it's probably a little less fun for these guys. And maybe yeah. they get a few less big names. It already kind of struggles for field. I don't know. That, Fair. I, I would. I know we do this every year on the Zurich Pod. Is you know how should the format change? I, I probably honestly, I probably wouldn't change much. Seems totally fine. It, it, so <laughs> that round, doesn't make for a great podcast, but that <laughs> that was as I was sitting watching it today. I'm like, you know what? This event is it's totally fine. Round one scoring average was sixty six point six in four ball. Foursomes went to seventy three point two in round two, and then after the cut, it was sixty five point eight on Saturday. And then final round was 72.6. So a consistent six to seven shot gap between yeah. the, the formats. And I mean, they set it up hard. Like it was 7,300 yards. Every time that, I look up, I feel like they're playing a 500 yard par four today. That pin on 18 was yeah. gnarly. That is not usually where it is. When the balls, event, right? when the greens are bouncing up that yeah. hard and stuff like that, that's a tough, tough golf course, which I just find, I found interesting because watching those two guys go back and forth, despite Faldo saying it's a match play situation. There was a ton of chances for two-shot swings. I swear a couple times he's like, could be a two-shot swing, total match play situation here. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think – he's played in 11 Ryder Cups, and I don't know if he knows what match play is. But it, it does <laughs> seem like there is that variability of birdie or bogey happening in this format very, very easily. Yeah. And I found that interesting. So. Randy, I'm curious, you know, as the guy who, of course, loves seeing the pampered fucks uh, you know, taken to task, what do you, What did you uh, – do you like Alchot? you like watching – Get behind the eight ball, struggle a little bit? Well, that's a loaded question. Like, do I like it? It's, God, that's that's hard to answer. Uh, it's a refreshing change of pace. I think it's fun in pressure pack situations. So, like, final round, I think it works at Zurich, of course. Uh, Ryder Cup, President's Cup, I think it's the most fun, besides singles matches, I guess. I, I think it's more fun than than the four ball format. Um yeah, I, I kind of look. I, I I like to look at guys. Um, you know, they 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 are so used to being in complete control of everything, right? And all shot just forces them to give up a little bit of control, and I think that's good. I, I think it's it's fun as a viewer, a little bit entertaining to see guys put in new situations like that. I the biggest thing with the Zurich though, guys, like it just. It's a tough spot in the calendar. I yeah. think that's its biggest problem, right? It's a tough... Everything after the Masters just feels like a big come down. I mean, it's several straight weeks of... It's just a yeah, very tough stretch where you go, you know, RBC, and then you go Zurich, and then you go Valspar. Like, dudes skip that, and viewers skip those events. Like, it's just... It's hard to get super amped up for it. I think... Which is where, though, I you know, I guess push back a little kudos bit. Kudos to them for yeah, trying something different. Exactly. Yeah. If, they, if they want to, you know, try to win that battle a little bit, they got to do something a little different. And this is now, what, year four or five of, of doing this? And it seems like it's found some footing. It seems like it's finding a little bit of identity. The one thing I, I did want to say that 
would be cool. And every time I see the golf course, I always think this is, you know, they totally redid one of the golf courses at city park in uh like much, much closer to downtown new Orleans. And it would be so cool if they would have been able to get the golf tournament over there. I know that was a big talk when they were, when they were redoing the golf course was, you know, you get it over where you have kind of like these views of downtown almost, and you can, you know, do it the same week as jazz fest and people can almost like go back and forth and you can hear the music from the golf course. Like that would have been made it feel, I don't know, Randy, I know you're, you're with me on this. Like new Orleans is, if not my favorite city in America, very, you know, it's on the short list and where that golf course is like, <laughs> it's not, it's New Orleans. not New Orleans. It, it feels more like true detective out there. <laughs> so I think if, if they could, I, I, I still think it, it's on the way, but it's still got some work to do before the full identity is, is realized, I think. So maybe eventually, but that golf course at city park is not quite uh, up to snuff. I don't think as far as challenging enough. Yeah, I, I think, I, well, first of all, I totally agree. New Orleans, best city in America to visit. Just more atmosphere, exactly like you said. If, if Jazz faster, you know, it should feel like a, a crawfish boil. It should feel like a big party, and you just don't quite get that out at, um, what is it, TPC, Louisiana? Correct. Uh, I, and Shitload I met, of gators, though. So yeah, many gators. I've never seen more gators in my whole life. I, I think what they could consider doing, maybe playing a – Worst ball third round at like Audubon, Audubon Park. Maybe. <laughs> Would watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say, you know, I'm glad Neil and I played a foursomes event uh, in December last year, the FSGA foursomes, and I'm I'm glad I have that kind of perspective to pull on in terms of playing a stroke play tournament in alt shot is so much more fun than playing your own ball. Like way more fun. I found it. You know, I thought part of it would be hitting half the shots would feel like, feel like a letdown. And when we do our kind of silly little contests, sometimes it does feel like a letdown, but in an in a event where you're counting your shots, it was so engaging, so fun. I had more fun watching Neil hit shots than I did hitting my own shots. But at the same time, like you're saying, guys are used to being in control. I can handle adversity when it's me that screws up my own score. Like when you screw up for your partner, like Louis Usain has got to be feeling it right now. I mean, that tee shot to just completely eliminate yourself in the playoff. Like you can handle it when it's on your, on your own, but like knowing you let down your, your buddy, that's got to be just a different kind of muscle to flex. And I like that. I love that. Yeah. And on the flip side, I mean, how cool is leash feeling after sure. shipping in after cam hits in the water. Yeah. Right. I mean, that that's was a awesome. good shot, even though it went in the water. Totally. Like totally fine. Yeah. Good, easy par from there. Yeah. Um, unlike the weird chip shot that Schwartz will hit. Yeah, that, that was, was that was mucho knock. He should have scuttled it. Before we get go, I got a couple more questions about Zurich to, to ask. We got to talk a little bit about our uh, our weekend we had, our week we had. We went to Pinehurst this past week. We did. I have so many great things to say about Pinehurst, the whole area. We stayed a week at the Dornick Cottage. Uh, we we shot a wild world of golf on Pinehurst number two, which will be out after the stream song one. We got a ways to go. We got a few wild worlds to get through, but. Gosh, we had Pinehurst number one. Randy, you played Pinehurst number one? I did. What did yeah. you think of that? First time seeing it. It was uh, such... I, we played with Double Bogey Dave, shout out The Refuge, and he put it perfectly. It is the true definition of recreation golf. Just a really mm. nice walk, not punishing by, certainly not by Pinehurst number two, number four, even number three standards. It, it was everything we would have wanted on a, I think it was a Thursday morning. 
Everybody knows about Donald Ross's masterpiece, Piners Number no. Two. Gil Hens's freshly restored Piners Number no. Four. We've talked a lot about the cradle. You guys beat the cradle up on Friday, huh? <laughs> we played. Uh, this is gonna set Randy. This is gonna be music to your ears. We played a twenty-seven hole uh, metal play match on the cradle. Uh, it was it was hitting grinding, cups. hitting cups. It was it was honestly invigorating, and you you would have loved it. And we had a match play bracket on the thistle do. Like yeah. the amount of different things you can do at Pinehurst. The deuce is right there. There's people clapping for people coming up the 18th hole on number two. Big shout to the North South uh, Whiskey Bar that they just put oh in. I know God. Randy had to be wheeled out of there one of the nights too. <laughs> that was that was fun and exciting. Some, <laughs> some good cocktails. Upset I missed that one. But visit Pinehurst.com to schedule your Pinehurst visit. Uh, it's called the St. Andrews of American golf for a reason. Um, and that's my copy. That's not even in the copy. All right. <laughs> it just feels like a golf place. So piners.com. All right. So if, uh, we, we've touched on a couple of these topics, but we've got some good questions from people. M Sharky 23 says, why is the Zurich so boring every year? I know we complain about watching 72 hole stroke play on repeat every week, but this is a snooze fest, even with a bunched leaderboard. Well, I thought that uh, I'm sep- I'm struggling a little bit to separate this was the most enjoyable one that I've watched, yes. and I'm I'm trying to separate the fact that you know, one of our good friends caddies for the guy who won. So obviously we had some, a, a rooting interest, but I think a lot of it had to do with how they set up the golf course and, sure. and the grass, like you said. I mean, I I think it was just it was we always talk about uh, last year at Harbortown, right, where it was just so obvious that like okay nobody's gonna make a bogey. Right. This was the opposite of that. Like it was I felt like we were on the the knife's edge a little bit. Guys were. You know, they were struggling to get it in the house. So you didn't know what was going to happen. They're chipping in. They're making birdies. They're making bogeys. It was, you know, like you were saying about uh, there, there's such a big difference and you don't really realize it because there's so few of these events. But there's such a big difference between playing all shot foursomes uh, in match play and in stroke play. Right. We always see it in the Ryder Cup where it's, oh, you know what? You hit it behind a tree. OK, I guess you lose the hole. And today it was like, holy shit, they hit that one. They got to take it unplayable. Cam misses the green. Like, oh, man, they might make a double here. And it's it's that's when things like start moving really quickly. And so I don't know. I actually I would push back and say I I enjoyed it this year. I only watched Sunday uh, of, you know, full transparency on that. I'm not really geeked to watch Thursday through Saturday, but I really enjoyed watching Sunday this year. I will say one thing that got working against them big time is not only is the field not great, like the teams are not great. Like the t- the teams don't seem to make a lot of sense to a casual viewer or a hardcore viewer. Like I mean, apart from the obvious and the people the who were in the final group at the but, top, yeah. yes, very much so. But like Richie Wawinski and Peter Uline, don't uh, I don't fairly random don't know the connection there. Billy Horschel, I think they're Massachusetts Burns. guys. Sure, actually, that's fine. Like, but like, is that doing much for the <laughs> entertainment factor? Keith Mitchell, Brant Snedeker, Keegan Bradley, Brendan Steele, like John Rahm and Ryan Palmer. I know they won the event, but like, it's. Can you imagine two guys getting beat up on Bourbon Street faster than Keegan Bradley and Brendan Steele, <laughs> or just like robbed? Like they seem like they would be. The, I was I was thinking about some of these teams, and they just they seem like they'd stick out really really tough. Sorry, they get, they get rolled on. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a short short day for you, coach. But Mr. C. Sword asks the the obvious question, which is, is Zurich the perfect event slash opportunity to have a PGA slash LPGA mixed tourney? I mean, that very, very, you know, markedly easy for us to say uh, and and for us to make decisions for other organizations. But like, hell yeah. I know you've talked about this in the past, Deej, but it's not the PGA Tour is not 
All right, let's look at our 42-week calendar here. And all right, here we're going to do a team event. Here we're going to do a mixed one. Here we're going to do this. Here we're going to do that. Like it's f- whatever, 47, how many, however many events it is. It's 47 individual tournaments, right? Like they operate on their, not on their own, but pretty much on their own. So it's easy, like even if the tour wanted to be like, all right, we need a mix of this, 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 and this. It's like for Zurich and the people that run that event, like that's their Super Bowl. Like this is, that's their event. Like right. they don't, they don't have a responsibility to the big picture of the PGA Tour. So super easy, for, I guess, like you said, for us to sit here and say, let's do a mixed event right here. It's also not like the goal of the PGA Tour to promote women's golf and to promote the LPGA Tour. So like, where does that fit into their mission and their charter as an organization? I don't believe it does anywhere. I could be wrong on that, but clearly it's not one of their goals. No, I, I, yeah, I totally agree. I would, again, this is, it's not my decision to make. And, you know, I could be totally off base, but I would argue that, you know, seeding the floor on one week out of 47 like this would actually do much more to, grow the brand of the PJ tour and make more people like the PJ tour. But and I, that makes sense. But again, we're but talking, I see like, why it doesn't it? happen. Yeah, yeah. I see why it doesn't happen. It sucks that it doesn't happen because I think it would be just outrageously cool. But I also, for the 800th time, will come back to, I'd rather have the president's cup be a mixed sure. event because cool. the president's cup feels very, 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 very soulless at this point. And I think it would be awesome to like, that's, that's a, a place where I would rather have like having mixed event, stroke play or like metal play feels weirder than mixed event match play to me for some reason. Yeah. It'd be weird, but it'd be you know awesome. I mean? Like just with the disparity and like how far people are hitting it and who's teeing off on which holes and all that stuff. It seems like that would be a little weirder. I, I don't know why match play seems like it'd be a little more fun. Weird is good. Yeah. Uh, to a point. And of course you need, you need some, uh, you need some warm up events. If, if you make the president's cup, <laughs> a, a mixed, a mixed gender event. Uh, Solly, I don't want to completely get off this point, but one thing you said prior about the teams, most of the teams not making sense. Is, is there a fix for that besides somehow enticing better players to come to the event? Like with, with the field they had this year, what, what's an alternative to create more exciting teams? That's a great question. Maybe yeah. like do it like by FedEx Cup ranking. Like you, you got to have, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that other than recruit better players and better teams, right? That's what I was going to say. I'll go back to, you know, my very apathetic take of, I think the field, the format seems totally fine. Let's leave it alone. But if you're, you know, twisting my arm to change something, it's like, I guess maybe you make the field smaller so that better teams stand out a little bit more. I, I don't know. You know, you know what I mean? It's, it's. I don't know what you could do. I really actually applaud the PJ Tour for allowing, you know, the kind of unpredictableness of letting guys pick their own teams actually. It's kind of it's kind of cool. Like I, I don't know. My someone was te- my dad was texting me today about like how do the teams get made and I was texting him back like, "Oh yeah, no, they just yeah, they pick their own teams and like that whole aspect of it is actually kind of fun when you break yeah. it down and you get to the kind of you know, high school date for the dance kind of uh, feeling that has to be going on at, with at least some of these guys. Like, there's some weird ass teams. Shout out to Akshay and Scott Piercy. <laughs> uh, but so I'd almost rather dig into like the really weird ones and like, you know, how did that happen? Can we dangle some, you know, uh, player impact program points in this thing or like, sure. dangle some kind of, it's such a weird, there's no OWGR points available for it. There's no master's invite for it. Yet you get in tournament champions, you get in the PGA championship with the win. It's just a, a very, very weird combo. Ozzy Stanton said, for team golf to stick slash be interesting, does it have to be part of a longer than a weekend slash series? 
uh, weekend event slash series. It seems tough to get into these haphazard teams as a one-off. Also, alt shot only, four balls, no fun with these guys. So, Yeah, that'd be kind of, that's an interesting thought. Have like one team event a quarter and essentially your your team is your team for the year and almost create, you know, like soccer has different cups, right? You, you almost have a season-long team competition. I don't know. It, 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 that's what I was doing a little thinking about this event and which naturally leads into bigger PGA tour questions. And it's just like, I feel like there's a lot of room to get more creative. It's easy for me to say that because I have no idea what goes on to make, you know, some big decisions, but it just seems like we're getting the, maybe the least creative uh, season long tour event all that the more i think about it the more i'm like why don't more top and i know the schedule and all that but like winning is really hard on the pga tour this is essentially you know twice as uh twice as easy or whatever it is half as difficult to win if you like why wouldn't dj and kepka want to come and like and kepka's injured right now but like why wouldn't jt and spieth want to team up for this thing and like try to snag another win like if you look at the odds going into this week, like the favorites were big, right? Because it's only 80 teams and you know, the the good teams that had two top players paired up, your odds of winning are actually great. I mean, every other time you tee it up in a stroke play event, your chances of winning are less than 10%. Right. Unless you're way, DJ. Way, way less yes. than 10%. Whereas like some of these guys could come into this week with a much better winning percentage uh, chance, I guess. you. I know you hate, big, those, hate those. Big Tone's got to find a better horse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. Do you want to get? You want to go ahead and get all of it out. Go ahead and say anything else you guys want. Should we just save it for the next one? Should we just put it in the tank and we can just we can go twice well, as hard on the next time it happens? I was gonna say, Solly, why don't you tell us? Like, have you are, have you learned anything? What what's going on in your world right now? I'm good. Uh, didn't even seem like you played that great. You know, coming into uh, say that again in, into Sunday and it didn't go well Sunday. So they finished some somewhere in the top twenty. But uh, his floor is so high that you know that's that's pretty much where we'll, where we'll see him. Are you worried about any any flooding issues with this with this floor? We're I mean, it's fine. Just... We're totally totally fine. I will say, I got to look. He's gone to. I don't know if it's a new putter, but it looked like a new putting grip, and it looked mega uncomfortable. <laughs> That's right <laughs> where we want to be. That's exactly where we want to be. You might need to get in his Instagram DMs, Randy. I know you've recently switched to a new grip as well. <laughs> Provocative stuff up there in Pinehurst. <laughs> It does. Are you guys surprised at all that no like U.S. players, aside from uh, Xander and Cantlay, no like potential foursomes guys even like tried anything out this week? I mean, I guess you have Bubba and Scheffler, and you had I mean like maybe Champ and Finau could be teammates, but like, well, nothing obvious. I don't think we can fart on the international Presidents Cup stuff, and then also say we're surprised that there was no Ryder Cup uh, prep going on. Although I guess that's a, a much closer. I'm not talking about like trend. Like these guys were talking like, all right, these guys are trending. Like, here we go. This is going to be a great, but like getting used to that format and playing with someone's ball. Like some of these guys, I believe were switching balls every other hole, which I don't think you can do in the president's cup. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't, or, or Ryder cup. I don't know exactly what was going on with golf balls this week, but it, it just seems like you want to get you know as much information as you can have about playing other people's golf balls. What works for you guys, what playing styles work you would want to get, and there seems to be no effort on that front. So on There's the Hatton side. and uh, Mike Wallace played together. And Stenson and Rose played together. And Interesting. Like, they've been teammates before in the past. It's like, 
all right, guys, we, we're not doing much of anything different yet. Like, there's a lot of things we could be trying. I'm not saying this is the answer, but like, hey, could could we circle this one on the calendar and be like, hey, I want you two guys to show up at this and play each other's golf ball and see how that works for alt shots. So I'm, when you do it in September, it's not completely foreign. That's not outrageous. I might literally, uh, outrageous, provocative take, I might literally take uh, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns on the American Ryder Cup team. They seem like absolute just cowboys. I feel like you, you I want. I feel that. like you want them on your side. Horse. I, I don't. You ahead. knew they were going to play well this week. Come that, on, like, that was obvious. I yeah, taking that one. I, Horschel, I think, could make a very good case for the Ryder Cup team by the end of the year. Burns yeah. is not on my radar. <laughs> Respectfully, yet. Respectfully. Oh, I wanted to shout out. Uh, there was one other American potential Ryder Cup pairing. Uh, they did not play well. Morikawa and Matthew Wolf. Mm. Mm. I don't think Wolf's going to be on that team. But God, that's a, it's just. It's a bummer. Yeah, he's got some. It's got some stuff going on. It would appear. I, I looking at the shot tracker. It was. Uh, it was not ideal. That's a good point. I missed that one, Randy, and I appreciate you bringing that to my attention. But everything is trending the opposite direction for Wolf right now. So, uh, Morikawa is going to be there. We know that. We know that. All right. Are we ready to anything else from Zurich? Are we ready to start talking pit? Also, Mayor Culpa. It was. It was Danny Willett and Hatton, okay. not Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace was with G Mac. Okay, that's right. Uh, well, two things. One, very cool of Stenson to join Team Rose. But two, Solly, I, I don't know. It's all about leaning on each other. Yeah. Or leaning, D- or whatever the phrase is. DJ, do we do we want an apology today from Solly? No. Hmm. I will not apologize for today. Are you kidding me? A one? No. Absolutely not. I mean, they what were they in the second to last group? Second to last group. And Shot 76? Good. Yeah. Absolutely I mean, if you not. feel like you should apologize, then I would I would listen to an apology, but I, I don't think we need to mandate it, Randy. I, that's a complete abuse of the apology policy. Okay. Okay. We had well, an apology bet that took a year, and I and I apologized for that. I'm not apologizing for anything past that. All right. Okay. Respect right. the apology. We'll, we'll leave it up to you. Okay. God, that would have been a what? So, what's the actual win bet? I don't even remember what it is for this year because I. Gotta think it you're doesn't gonna... matter. That's why I tried to tell you it doesn't matter. It, it could be in, infinite. It doesn't matter, DJ. We don't have to worry about anything. I gotta think when when the you know when the bets called in. I gotta think you're gonna want that one today. <laughs> gotta, of course, I want to think you you know you would have liked to have that one. He's gonna play a lot more tournaments the rest of the year, and uh, he's gonna win. I, I for sure. Faith. I've never lost faith. I will never that, leave you, Tony. That putting stroke I saw Saturday, he ain't winning with that. I'll tell you that right now. Well, listen, he's going to hit it so close one week that the putting won't matter. I wanted to shout out G-Max Hole-in-One on Friday, which was during playing through. I had it on <laughs> while I was working and, uh, like, of course, wasn't watching the screen while the commercial was playing and look up and just see it, like him, uh, Wallace and G-Mac, like, tackling each other on the tee, running around sprinting while a Fisher Investments commercial is going <laughs> on the TV. It was just like, this is the perfect PGA Tour moment. Just... <laughs> Most exciting moment of the week and caught on, uh, yeah, they, they at least, they had the footage of that one, so we saw the replay about 15 times. They never showed, uh, never got to see Sam Ryder's albatross that he made this week. I don't mm. know if you guys heard about that, but it didn't get caught on film, so we didn't get to see it. Tough. I liked uh, the the question you had in the agenda here. Cle- Cleveland Cow, would you rather be uh, partnered with someone who has a similar game to you or opposite strengths and weaknesses? It's a great know. question. I don't know the answer to that. I think it, I think similar to you. That's what I think. I think it can run downhill. If you partner with somebody opposite of you, like you can get out and run and really get stuff vibing. But if you get off in that format, you can really, really mess each other up. 
I think it depends what kind of player you are too. If you like, uh, you know, much like me and Tron, if you like getting in the process oh, and, God. and talking with uh, with your playing partner, uh, it's obviously nice to be able to like see the other person's shots in your head. Uh, so it's like whenever I've had partners that are are similar games, it's always really, really, really fun. Uh, it kind of feels like caddying for for someone who has a similar game to you. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're just kind of doing your own thing and your partner can say, leave me, leave me 105, like I'm sure that works too. So depends what you like, but mm. I, I would say I would pick similar. Randy? I, I Just for the novelty, I think I would pick opposite, right? I think you can game plan around opposite a little bit if the course sets up for it where it's like, all right, we're hitting, you're hitting the tee shots on this hole and this is why we're doing it. And this is going to leave, you are going to have ideally 13 birdie putts to my five. You're a better mid-range putter. You can kind of game it that way. I almost feel like it puts too much pressure on that though. Like if, if you're, you know, if it's, you're the bomber guy, you're going to put it, you're going to give us so many birdie chances because you're going to hit so many good drives. I feel like it almost like puts more pressure on. It could those drives. You know it worked I mean? for Neil and I when we did it. The all the even all the par fives were on even holes, so he teed off on those. So like in theory, that would leave me with the most birdie putts and the most chances to hit like the long iron shots, and he was hitting most of the short iron shots. And it, I think we got we scraped the most out of that we could out of that week. So I found that interesting. Uh, ready to talk some pip, pippin. No no chip and pippin. No chip and pippin. <laughs> This <laughs> so no. Brady was Do doing this bit all, all week about <laughs> Scotty Pippen and if he just if he was playing golf he would never chip. He'd be no chipping Pippen button button from everywhere, which Faldo would have actually really dug yeah. now that you know hearing about the broadcast today. Uh, yeah, anyway, so I yes. continue. Okay, <laughs> so this is this feels like a month ago already, but it came out earlier this week. Uh, credit to Golf Week exclusive from Eamon Lynch. Uh, that the PGA Tour has implemented a player impact program. Basically, it is a middle finger to the PGL. I mean, it's incredibly obvious that this is a direct shot at uh, a lot of the things that the PGL was able to offer tour pros to try to lure them in. It is a, a this on top of the strategic alliance with the European Tour is in my mind, and I struggle to argue, I struggle to, struggle to understand any argument opposite of that. A direct. Uh, just a perfect string of events in, in leading to this, and that forty million dollars will be made available to the top eight players that rank in this player impact program based on the following criteria: their popularity in Google search, their Nielsen brand exposure rating, which places a value on the exposure a player delivers to sponsors through the minutes they are featured on broadcast. We can talk about that. Uh, third one, their Q rating, which measures measures the familiarity and appeal of a player's brand. Their MVP index rating, mm, shout which out to Sean Speed, calibrates the value of the engagement a player drives across social and digital channels. And the fifth one, their meltwater mentions or the frequency with which a player generates coverage across a range of media platforms. It's worth noting in the original Golf Week article, it said their position on the season-ending FedEx Cup points list was listed in the criteria, but uh, it, uh, the update they posted was that while the FedEx Cup rank was included among criterion in the document players received, the tour told Golf Week that it will not be used as a metric to determine bonus payments. So, a lot to unpack. First of all, I want to give a shout-out. Does anybody get exclusives other than Eamon? No. I, it seems like Eamon's the only one dropping absolute <laughs> bombs. On the on the regular, so just a you know perpetual shout out to Eamon, leader in the clubhouse. This while this was news to us and to Golf Week and to the golf world, this was not news to PGA Tour players. 
This is something that was circulated last year, which I'm surprised took this long to come out. I don't know why it took this long to come out. Eamon's uh, the only one out there getting I exclusives. Guess, yeah. Come on. To, to <laughs> some of the guys I talked to this week, come on, give us the heads up on some <laughs> of these things, man. We'd like to know it. Um, gosh, where do we start for this? Uh, let's get a couple questions in, and I'm going to direct this at former tour player DJ Pie or former tour <laughs> employee DJ Piehowski here from TW Hitter, uh, Tiger Woods Hitter. <laughs> Where is the $40 million coming from? Are fans paying the price for more, quote, engagement? Uh, let me start with, of course, I, you know, this is a guess at best. But, uh, I mean, with the fact that it's not branded, the fact that it's not sponsored, I, I got to assume it's just a byproduct of the massive increase in TV rights, right? I mean, I think it's just straight cash, homie, like from the from the coffers. I don't think this is some, like, dark water. I mean, the TV rights went up... 300 million from the previous <laughs> right. year and this is 40 what's 40 divided yeah, by 300 exactly I mean, so i, I don't much. i don't think there's some secret you know funding of this or something i think it's just it's just cash from the pj tour i believe i think it's what the volunteers pay <laughs> <laughs> it's all yeah i gotta do the math on on how much they pay for those shirts that like heavy cotton volunteer polos a couple of lunch tickets. <laughs> what if I'm running one of the charities tied to these events that have taken massive, massive hits during this COVID era of golf? What is my what is what is my reaction to this? <sighs> I, all right, there's there's a it's couple places. There's a couple places to start. One side is there should be a bunch of people that are really, really pissed off. And that this should rub the wrong way and that this should look ostentatious and it should look like the rich getting richer and all of those perspectives, you know, I'm sure we, we'll talk about. I also think on the other side of the aisle, like it's a very smart idea that makes total sense. And I can completely understand how and why they came to the conclusion to do this and why they chose to execute it this way. And I honestly, like as kind of weird and, uh, it's just weird as it feels to say, like I kind of have to side with like the PJ tour on like, dude, I totally get why you guys had to do it this way. And I, it's not as simple as like, they're not, they're not sitting around being like, all right, we got this 40 million. Where do you guys think we should give it? Should we give it to charity or should we give it to the players? Right. Like, it's not like this was some slush fund of money that they're like, well, let's just give it to the players. Yeah. They, they really, they earned it, man. They earned it. This is a complete defense against you know, the encroaching PGL, right? Yes. I mean, I mean it's, and, and, and that, to add on that, if I can pick up there, Deej, is <laughs> I don't want to say y'all didn't believe us, but the threat was and still, I don't know if it still is, but at least at one point was very real, even past the point that people probably thought it was dead. The PGL threat was still very much there, extremely there. And you can't, it, it, that can't be denied now, especially with this development, right? right. The tour had to make a move like this. And I think, and I think we even said this back, you know, when we first started talking about charities kind of getting shortchanged in relation to these events is like maybe long run for all of the charities involved, the PGA tour, that a short term hit is best in, in, in terms of like the tour had to get their arms around their, their, the, the freaking tour. Like, I'm not gonna say they were going to lose the tour, but if you lose your 48 of your top 60 players or whoever was going to jump ship in theory, like you got a big, big problem into the future. So they had to, you know, put up a wall around what they have and say, all right, here, we're making this richer. We're giving you incentive to stay this, this, and this, and that's going to help us drive value 
into the next whatever millennium, if you will. And that's going to help fund a lot of these charities into the future. Because if we lose these guys, they're every year is going to be like 2020 for these charities. Yes. That's fair summary. That That's a much better way of saying what I was trying to say, which is if you lose all the best guys, like the tour starts to go downhill and the charities don't get that money anyway. So it's, it's a pure, I mean, it's a pure like defense move. It's not like it's, yeah, it's not just money going to them for the sake of giving them money. It's, it's money going to them for the sake of keeping them and keeping the status quo how it is. Yes. Do we want to get into the PIP itself? Oh, absolutely. Please. Well, let me offer from uh, our good friend, Jeff Shackelford, jeffshackelford.com talking about this. He, uh, Talking about Eamon breaking the story, uh, he revealed a player impact program funneling $40 million in bonus money to stars based on a bunch of doubtable, crackable, and corruptible marketing metrics. Uh, so I guess let's jump in there. How, what do we think about the formula as we know it to uh, uh, allocate this $40 million? Well, so we talked about this a little bit offline and, and kind of throughout the week as the news came out and stuff. And I, I do feel like every... Every thread I kind of start to go down as far as, well, they should have done it this way, I always kind of run into dead ends a little bit. And the first one for me was appearance fees. Like this all seems like such a needless question. Like just let kind of the, the whether it's the tournaments or the tour itself or whatever, just kind of pick, you know, go, go on like who you think deserves this money and, and figure out how to disperse it to them. Like this whole algorithm and all the numbers and all the corporate speak and the MVP index, of course, the hitters at Meltwater, of course, like that is the part that's going to be so easy to make fun of. Yes. All that shit seems so stupid. Uh, So, you know, in my head, I'm like, well, why don't you figure out some way to disperse the money to the tournaments and let them choose who they want to give appearance fees to yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, solid, we were talking about that today and like that ends up getting, it's messy. It's messy. It's like, yeah, you can't, you know, are tournaments fighting over appearance fee money from the PGA Tour and they're responsible for recruiting these players and starting getting in bidding wars for, you know, paying Dustin Johnson a million dollars to come here, paying Tiger Woods a million and a half to come here. Do you spend all? I, it's messy. It, and, and then you become a, you know, we joke about it all the time, but as the member run organization, when, you know, you start arbitrarily just giving cash to people without without receipts. Yes. Then you start getting in the Patrick Reed, uh, you know, the line drive section, uh, well, <laughs> you know, you're not treating me fairly. Why, why does, and you're talking about a shitload of money also. It's like, I mean, literally it's going to come down to why did this guy get $2 million and I didn't get $2 million. Like show me some, you know, what, what's the proof? And you've got to, you've got to have some sort of as dumb ass as it might be. You've got to have some formula, some algorithm to, you know, to prove the the concept, I guess. It's the impact score, no, baby. See, it's, 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 it's going to be so, 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 so delicious. <laughs> the, already the deliciousness that comes from maybe, uh, I have a feeling there's going to be some takes out there about the way that money is distributed on the PGA Tour that might differ from the way a lot of the PGA Tour uh, represents their political beliefs. That's a whole, yeah, that's a whole (laughs) other thing. Uh, Yeah, there is going to be a lot of like, why are these guys getting all the money, man? What the hell? I work just as hard as those guys. What did you say? A lot of pro-market folks uh, sowing what they were <laughs> reaping, what they were sowing. Yeah, exactly. There's uh, some great quotes in the Golf Week article. Uh, there's one. This is from a, uh, a unnamed veteran tour winner. 
There I was thinking we were they were compensated enough. We earn our money through performance. Using metrics will definitely cause complications at some point. What if you're a really awesome player but don't move the needle in those metrics? Dog, that's <laughs> the point. Yeah. You are not bringing to the table here. I, the best way I can think of this is we are having a big community cookout, all right? I got a big pool in my backyard. I'm having a bunch of people over, okay? If I, you know, if so-and-so is my next-door neighbor, and that's Tiger Woods, and he buys a ham, a steak, some fish, he brings the keg over and does all that, is he bringing a lot more to the table than the guy who brings the side of macaroni and cheese that uh, feeds four people? Yeah, probably a little bit, <laughs> but everyone gets to sit at that table and eat the same amount of food. That's the that's what you play for, right? That's what the money that gets paid out, you know, week by week. William McGirt and Justin Thomas get the same amount of money for a T10. And that is what's overall messed up. Like JT is bringing over some some beer to this party. He's bringing some top shelf tequila, okay? Like he deserves more out of this. And these dudes that have been, you know, and I kind of want to just name some names out here and say, like, I want your guys' quick reaction opinion. Are they putting stuff on the table or are they taking off of it? <laughs> Justin Thomas. Putting it on the table. Putting it on. Um, I'm just going to grab some. Billy Horschel. He's putting a little bit on. He's, he's, he's uh, yeah. He's, yeah. I got no problems he's with pretty the, neutral. Yeah, of course. So, uh, let's just see here. Ryan Palmer. I think, I think he's putting he's little, it on. Yeah. I think he's, he's when they're doing a Texas the when they're doing a Texas cookout. I think you know there's some people that that get excited, but I don't think he's putting it on the table when we go up to no. you know John Deere Classic. Well, he is Mr. Palmer's uh, grandson, <laughs> which I think. people forget. His family put a lot on the table, yeah. but he is he's got a picnic table named after him. <laughs> this is no offense to Ryan Palmer. He is 100 percent taking from this table. Has he provided the PGA Tour with 30 million dollars in <laughs> in whatever? Just at being good at golf. Yeah, he might be the guy quoted in this. I, I want to give a, a shout out to Tron, who said, "There's a you know, a, I'm I'm loosely quoting. There's a great opportunity here to uh, implement some of our death panel ideas. Maybe it's the ten, you know, the ten highest. I got no problem with the ten highest impact scores divvying up forty million. Maybe it's the ten lowest impact scores that get tapped on the shoulder. You know, hey dog, you gotta go. Smell ya." You gotta go. <laughs> You're out. So a couple other things from Eamon's article. The simulated scores in 2019. Predictably, the player with the best score, the man to have added, uh, judged to have added the most value to the tour's product. Can you guess who that was in 2019? <sighs> the cat. Oh, yeah. Who won the Masters that year. Woods was followed by FedEx Cup champion Rory McIlroy, Brooks Kepka, Phil Mickelson, Ricky Fowler rounding up the top five, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson. Justin Thomas, Justin Rose, and Adam Scott completed the top 10. Justin Rose, the upset of the cinch. I think it's all Sneaking the... Into that maybe that's 10. why he's in all the Zurich commercials, like all it's of the possible. Zurich and Morgan, Morgan Stanley commercials. I would like to think it's it's maybe a bunch of bots uh, triggering FedEx Cup search search results and, and just racking up the tour's Google bill, but I could be wrong. Which, Which I do... Which would be awesome. I want to know how manipulate, <laughs> manipulatable... What's, what would the word be there? How, what's the opportunity for manipulation here? It's I don't know. I don't. It's like something you can't I, fake, right? I, I, yeah, I, that, I. They don't. Oh, you, you you can for sure. You can manipulate anything. This feels like we're wading into conspiracy territory. I feel no. like we're gonna. Yeah, I feel like we're gonna get deep into everybody saying like, "Oh God, he's he's only doing that for his for his pip score." Oh, that's what's gonna be really fun. Yeah, well, of course, definitely. I mean, that's dude. They banks manipulated the LIBOR. I mean. <laughs> if, <laughs> 
if, if, if there's a difference between like $5 million, you better believe that the human nature is going to be to do whatever they can to get that money. So where I think that potentially the, the again, I don't pretend to know all the ins and outs of this, where I think they have some weakness here is like only paying out eight guys seems a bit. Ten guys. It's eight guys. Eight like, guys. It goes to the top eight guys. Oh, sorry. Um, it see, that seems light, right? That seems like a lot of competition to get into that top eight. And the not, number nine guy, number 10 guy, number 11, number 12, those dudes are going to be extra incentivized to like bump up into this, right? I, I don't see Dustin Johnson really caring that much. And that's where I mean in like how many, how much can you manipulate it? Like, I don't think DJ is going to be really trying very hard to go from three to two or whatever that would be. But like the dudes like that are going to be trying to get up into that top eight, Justin Rose is going to be trying. Are, we, are you kidding me? <laughs> well, that's that's the whole thing, I guess, with manipulation. I'm kind of thinking of it through the lens of quantity over quality, right? Because I feel like that's what we're going to get is just a lot of stuff, a, a bunch of answers to, to questions that nobody's really asking. Hell you know, yeah. That's exactly right. We're just going to be bombarded right. yeah, with, with dumb social engagement. I think it's going to just shine a mega spotlight on how bad most of these guys' teams are at at providing things that people actually want to see. Besides Bryson. Team Rose. <laughs> oh, I thought that. <laughs> no, I think Bryson, honestly, I think Bryson might be the only person equipped, much like on the golf course. I think he's the only person with the firepower to move up these rankings. <laughs> I think the weird shit that he's doing off the course is just the perfect combo of authentic, inauthentic, makes people mad, Makes people happy, makes people just want to search what's going on. And noted in the article, the 2021 ranking of player impact scores, the list that will actually determine bonus payments at year's end, will likely look very different to that simulated version. Bryson DeChambeau, arguably the most talked about player on tour this year, finished 12th in the 2019 simulation, one spot behind... Tony Finau. Hate that. Hate that he couldn't crack the top 10 in the simulation. Mm -hmm. Woods is recovering from a car crash. Kepka nursing an injury. Both Mickelson and Fowler are slumping. It's assumed all would still earn bonuses since they continue to drive significant engagement with the tour's product. But basically the point is it could be totally reshuffled from that list that we saw in 2019, as, as I think it should be. Totally. So I think like totally in theory, if you say, all right, at the end of this year, we're going to look back at who brought us the most engagement the most who moves the needle who does all that all that in theory we're going to pay out bonuses to those top eight guys does that make sense six thumbs up like that yeah. is that makes wish total i had more sense. hands wish wish i had more <laughs> hands now actually measuring that and divvying it up and figuring that out is going to be very very difficult i know they have a formula for it but like I hope it's really well guarded against this manipulation possibility. But again, I get why they why they have to do it. Sure. You know, if if someone like I, I look at, you know, this is no offense to anyone, but I look at someone like Xander, someone like Cantley, one of these guys who might very well go rattle off like three wins in the next year and still not finish in that top eight. Yes. Right. And I just don't know what they can do. And that's where I am very, <laughs> you know, very I don't know what they can do. No, I'm very fine with if you win three times. The money you get for winning those tournaments is your reward for yeah. that. Like that, you have gotten, you have reached, gotten and endorsements and FedEx yes. Cup and all kinds of things. If yeah. you you have gotten, you have earned your on course thing. And again, if you are bringing more to the table, you're going to get paid for it. But if you showed up to that cookout with a six pack and you drank twelve beers, <laughs> like I don't feel bad if you don't get a bonus. <laughs> how does this? How did this? <laughs> that feels like McGurk. But how, how did? <laughs> How did the PIP get McGurk through? McGurk brought something last year. I think I'm good. 
He's, ta- he's, he's shoving them in his pockets, Dude, taking a couple six for the beers Last year, I only drank three. Like I'm good. For, I got credit for this year. Sorry, I've never guy. met Willie McGurdy. He's probably a super nice guy. It just he feels like a you know an easy one to pile on. Uh, no, I was just gonna say I'm curious how this policy got through a player run organization. You know, I think it was probably their idea. It was probably like a, uh, you know, the board or the, the the pack. I assume is probably pushing something like this through. Didn't Rory become the president of the pack? Yeah, I mean, Rory would be someone who's going to. I don't even know if his name was on that list. I guess it was for the 2019 one, but yeah, yeah, he's someone that's going to massively benefit from this, right? Yeah, as as yeah. he as he should. I mean, that's kind of. I think he's been kind of the the key example of who we've been talking about when it's like, man, he's woefully underpaid. Yes, and I know that's, you know, that's where it gets cloudy, and that's where everybody goes, you know, oh well, he made this much money, and why doesn't this should be going to charity and yada yada yada? It's like, man, in the grand scheme of things, like look at who's who's putting food on the table and who's not, and and Rory is, you know, Rory's a a very generous guy, food wise. This is really interesting. I I I think I need to. It's going to take a lot of digesting. I want to be very clear, very 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 clear here. If they would put, I, I would be so down. Use it as a commercial break. Go away from the action. I don't care. I, I, like, show me the top ten. Oh, give me the rankings. Player impact rankings. I need them all throughout the season. That's like what they try to make us feel about the FedEx Cup and the fucking business, whatever top ten and the Wyndham rewards and the you know risk reward challenge and all. I don't care about any of those rankings, but if you show me this three times throughout the broadcast, I'd be. It might not be enough. We should make our own. Which, thereby, of course, it would be private. <laughs> Getting back to this real quick, though, would the cynic? What? What? What do you say to somebody who says, like, isn't this what endorsement money is for? Like, isn't that the market telling the players and us who is the most marketable? Right. So, I guess what I would say to them, Randy, is like. It, the amount of money is almost arbitrary at some point. It, it is so much, it's just not about that. It's so much more about the PJ Tour keeping their assets, right? And that just becomes, it, it's essentially a almost like a bidding war, right? Between the the PGL and the the PJ Tour. And yeah. when, you, when you look at it that way, like, isn't that what endorsements are for? Yada, yada, yada. I mean, that's like a completely third-party thing. That doesn't, I mean, it, those endorsements are going to be there whether they're playing on the PJ Tour or the PGL. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like this is purely like anti-defection money, right? Because if you go, if you're the PGL and you say, "Hey, Rory, you're going to get paid. Let's just pick a number. We're going to pay you twenty-two million dollars a year to play these twenty-two events. Plus, you get equity in this team, and you you have your schedule. You don't have to play thirty-five weeks a year. You don't have to play between two tours. You don't have to do anything. Like here's the weeks you're going to play. It's going to be this, this, and this. There's not going to be cuts. You're going to own part of the team. Blah blah blah." That's pretty damn appealing. Like it is. Other and now this is like, all right, what is my fixed amount of money that I get for being for having star power from the league going to give me? And that, the league being the tour here, this is what it is. And th- so that's like again, it goes back to just like a pure wall of like, what does the PGL? What can the PGL offer that the PGA Tour can't? Some guaranteed money for the top top stars in the game. That's now changed. They don't have that that leverage piece anymore. It's really, I, God, I need some time with this. I respectfully, I, I though, I like, like 40 I mean, million is not that much in, to no, these I guys. Know. Yeah. 
And I totally get why the tour wants to do it. I, I totally understand why it's happening. I just, I, I guess the piece that's causing me to think a little bit is just like what the PJ tour ultimately being a, a player run organization and like what the purpose of it is, right? Like what couldn't they have just like, I think if, if you want to get to rewarding the stars more, like maybe you pay out less spots, right. And make wins more top heavy or I, you know, I, I, it's just very curious, but think about the, the scale of, the amount of money that we're talking about though too and look at like the the season long can i reply to that actually real quick though i think there's a huge different ran- difference randy in being like being good at golf doesn't necessarily bring a lot to the pga tour right like by that, all accounts that's what i'm getting at ryan palmer is very good at golf and i'm sorry that he's the example in this situation he just happened to top 10 this week and i saw him on the leaderboard but like he, him like gobbling up money for top finishes doesn't do a whole lot for the tour, right? Now, I forget where I was really going with that, but other than to say, like, you know, if, if just by making more money at the top, at, at you know, at the top of, in the top five or for winners and stuff like that, I don't think that solves the problem, right? Because you still make Rory go get it. And I don't think Rory makes a ton of his decisions based on pure bottom line, but, like, part of the issue here is he gets the same amount of money that Ryan Palmer gets for finishing whatever place. And I think that, you know, like we've covered, they bring different amounts to the table. And I know these numbers have gone up a ton in the last couple of years, but like even when you look at the season ending, you know, to your point, like divide up the pie a little bit differently, which, you know, we, we can absolutely find community and like less cards, uh, less of, you know, just kind of less players taking up the same amount of money. I would be down for that. But even, you know, I mean, JT last year won a ton of money, but he won $7.3 million to lead the money list. Which none of this, we haven't even talked about this, but none of this, you know, factors in FedEx Cup uh, or any of that stuff, which is supposed to be the cash distribution, the first cash distribution mechanism for all these guys. Uh, But that's a whole other thing. But each of these guys is going to make, what, five, six million dollars? If you're on the list, I think the guy who, I don't know how they're breaking it down. I don't think they've released it, but I think the guy who is number one gets eight million. I believe so. I mean, it's essentially another another season and a half of of money. I mean, it's it's a ton of cash. It's a ton of cash, and, and, and relative to how much you make on the golf course, like it's it's even more. You know, I'm curious about it. You know, this raises questions. Does it perhaps disincentivize guys to play more? Right? Like, I think you got you got to generate the meltwater mentions, though. <laughs> but a guy like Tiger Woods does that without touching a golf club, which is really interesting. Which he, um, I think he's in a different category than, than everyone else on the list, right? Because they're talking about Kepka being hurt. And, you know, the, the 2021 list would look way different than it did in 19. I don't think you can sit back and just, Dustin Johnson or Brooks Kepka. I don't think you play, like, I don't think this makes you say, I'm playing 10 less events this year because right. I got this big windfall coming. It's like, no, you got to go out there and kind of market yourself and play for it. No, but I will say this, perhaps a guy retires a couple years early after having gotten a few windfalls, right? I, but I think that's going to happen anyway. I was like, say, you think FedEx that? Nobody seems to be doing that, though. Like well, nobody I've been quits. praying for it for years now. I've been praying for it. Well, uh, I don't no, know that we Nobody has quit. <laughs> I don't know that we've really gotten... I, I think that generation of, you know, playing for massive, massive amounts of money is hasn't really gotten to that age yet. I look at, like, Mike Weir. Like, yeah, he's yeah. he's made a massive amount of money. He's firing it back up on the Champions Tour. Like, I, I think we ca- we keep expecting these guys to burn out and not, you know, keep playing for cash. But, like, 
Why would if you if you still got game and you know somebody's putting up a lot of money to go play next week? Like why wouldn't you play if you if you want to if you still have that itch? Yeah. So I, I think more than anything, I think this represents a big, obviously uh, a big shift or a nod to you know this is an entertainment product and not necessarily a pure sport you know meritocracy anymore. And I know that's. Some conversations we've had offline with certain PGA players being like, yo, for me, and I think it's good for the viewer. Ultimately, I, I, I think it is where, you know, lean into the entertainment aspect of it. Hopefully the tour, you know, like I think as, as a league, they should start releasing uh, punishments for guys, right? Like that creates social media engagement. I, I feel like hopefully this will be a step towards, you know, bringing us an entertainment league. Uh, but there are some questions there. You know, that's going to that's gonna make a lot of golf diehards a little uneasy, I think. I was, they're not. You don't have to worry about that, Randy. They're not going to make it more entertaining. <laughs> I think that's been, that's been well established that they don't seem to want, be interested in any of that. Well, I'm, I am curious. It, it's, it's weird. It kind of uh, – I'm curious how much they're going to lean into this and how much they're also going to try to keep their arms around everything. Because I do think the the PJ Tour, and for good reason, is notoriously, you know, I don't know about if control freak is the right word, but I mean they're very strict on their media rights. They're very strict on you know what people are allowed to do at events. And I'm not even just you know I would have said that before we started doing what it is that we do. I mean obviously that hampers us and what we're allowed to do at PJ Tour events. But I, I guess what I'm getting at is. If you're turning a bunch of players loose, a bunch of guys in that, let's say the top 50 of the the pip, because there's some guys who just straight up aren't going to, you know, they're not going to be able to crack the top eight no matter what they do. But there's going to be a bunch of guys who are going to be right on that fringe. And so to your point, Saul, if they're, you know, if it's between making $5 million or not making $5 million, I'm sure there's going to be some efforts made to try to do something. And it's like, what I look at is like the media rights are so strict on the PJ Tour. It's like, I wonder if this is going to f- almost force them to loosen those up. If you have a bunch of players going to the tour saying like, I want to do this. I want to have a camera crew follow me around and, and you know, I want to do my own reality show well, and I want to, I want to post it on YouTube and why can I not do that? What do you mean? I can't do that. What do you mean? The rights are restricted. Yada, yada, yada. I wonder if I think that's really interesting too. I think it's really interesting to think about whether this is like a permanent thing or whether this is just a, you know, I don't know Stop if it gap, gets yeah. written into the bylaws or whatever. It's like we're going to do this for three years or five years or, or in perpetuity. But I think it's interesting. Like if the PGL kind of officially goes away, I mean, I know it could always fire back up, but obviously it takes a lot of time to, you know, you have some advanced warning when someone's trying to start a competing league against you. So I don't know if this is something that only lasts for a couple of years and then goes away, which I think is interesting because you know it might totally change how some guys handle their business and then if, if it goes away that's really interesting I, I don't know man there's just a lot to there's a lot to think about it. I'm, I'm with you Randy I need to another week to digest well the, I mean don't you think this could incentivize guys to like fight somebody in the locker room or do something totally outlandish but or, I think there's there's something in that val the MVP rating or whatever it is like the value in positive versus negative press I think there is like something to that i don't know i cannot pretend to bullshit i can't pretend to know (laughs) you know what that would be but the most interesting thing to me i think is point number you know 
two, I guess, criteria number two. It's number three in the article, but number one got deleted out. Their Nielsen brand exposure rating, which places a value on the exposure a player delivers to sponsors through the minutes they are featured on broadcasts. Is Keep, it gonna, keeper of the takes. Is it going to be, one, an issue that there's 54 minutes of commercials <laughs> for every three-hour viewing window? And, like, once the top players start getting, like, understanding the math behind, like, oh, 18 minutes every hour they go off the air and not show us, like... I need my shots shown on TV. My sponsors want my shots shown on TV. I have money at stake here. I'm gonna, I want my shots shown on TV. That's one. Two, players that just don't get, like when they're you know they're actually covering the golf and don't get shown. Like, how do you think Justine Reed's going to handle if a key shot of P. Reed is not shown on TV? <laughs> like, they're, they're purposely suppressing his Nielsen brand exposure rating, which hurts his pip. They don't want to pay him money, and all the pins on the right side of the greens. Like, hell yeah! Oh, it's going to be mayhem in that <laughs> regard. But like, if I'm the top guys, that's the number I'm looking at, and be like, yo, we got to be on actually on TV, like not this fake commercial vehicle and all this shit. And I know it's part of where the money comes from and all that, but we got to figure something out in this regard. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I, do you think this is a thing that, that lasts all year? Or do you think it's a thing we talk about for a couple of weeks and then everybody kind of forgets about it and becomes just shadow money? We won't. It's shadow for sure, but like we'll make fun. Of, oh, I'll be sure that we'll, we'll have a pip section <laughs> weekly on the who like, who did the worst thing to that's try to a, help That's their a pip. good one. Yeah. Winners and losers of <laughs> the pip. Every week. I mean, Kepka's movers, already up the biggest this, movers up the social media engagement stuff, like, which I will say makes a obviously. lot more sense. Yes, now that you you know that this has been you know with the players for yeah. for a couple uh, couple months now, it makes sense as to why Brooks is yeah. up in his game. Which kudos to him; it's been very enjoyable. <laughs> so, are you joking? No, I'm not joking. It's been great. The the oh, really? eastbound and down steroid tweet he, he posted about Bryson. Bryson freaked out on the cameraman. I mean, he's, I there's been some very good stuff from Brooks in the last six months. Yes, I think Randy's probably thinking of more week, the last week stuff. Which, uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> has he done anything this week? I've been mega checked out. We'll just move on. Okay, moving on. <laughs> um, all right, does that pretty much cover the pip? Like yes and no. It, it is. We have a lot. I, to I feel like it's Pandora's box. Yes. It is a true gift from the content gods for us. That's that's the best I can say it. Who's, the, who's going to be the worst at it? Rose? Who He will definitely be the, the opposite thirstiest. ends of the spectrum of thinking how good he is at it and how good he actually is at it. <laughs> who's going to be the best at it? Uh, if It's got to be Bryson, right? Yeah, it's Bryson. Bryson's the needle. Everybody hates Bryson. Yeah. What if what if he gets dicked down by the uh, the sentiment, the MVP index sentiment? Everybody, you know... Yeah. How how are they gonna how are they gonna account for Bryson's, you know, performance art tone? That's the thing. None of these guys are good at it, really. Like I don't know. Max is, but like I don't a lot of people are talking about, you know, and Max made a joke about it too on on Twitter, but like all due respect to Max, like he's not who we're talking about here. Like he's the best at social media of all the players, but like he's not in this he's not he's not playing this game yet. You know what I mean? He can't off he can't like leap up into the eighth spot just through like being funny on social media. Like he just doesn't, the guys that create, I know golfers don't create much buzz in the sports world overall in general, but like the dudes that do create it are very different than like someone at Max's level. Again, with the utmost respect, I know you're listening, Max. It's also going to be interesting to see. Yeah, man, just what, who's good at making stuff. That's very like actually impactful versus Twitter impactful. Like this is going to be a very good, like Twitter's not real life. There's what 
eight percent of the population oh, or something like three is on Twitter. Like that, that's gonna be good. It's everybody's gonna take to social media. Most of the people aren't actually listening. It's just, man, it's gonna be good stuff. I'm excited. Let's get to the uh, oh gosh, the Hugel Air Premier LA Open. Is that did I get that right, Randy? Uh, yeah, your guess is as good as mine there. <laughs> I think well, it's. I think we call it the tough, LA Open. Tough tournament name. The LA yeah. Open is such a badass name to begin with. Great tournament. Great tournament. Brooke Henderson wins by one stroke. Her 10th career win. First in two years. A lot of people blowing up Big Randy in the mentions. Big Randy, is she back from the dead? N- no. <laughs> uh, what did you say? Can you catch me up? I didn't listen to the pod last week. What did, what did you say that you're taking well, so much barrel fire for? Last week, I reiterated that at the beginning of the year, two LPGA people, members, players, uh, Brooke Henderson and Lexi Thompson, we're on death watch. I, I quickly clarified this is a comedic bit. Uh, it's, not, <laughs> it, it's not a literal death watch. Uh, if, if you've never eaten here before, let me explain how it's going to work. Exactly. But the whole thing is, uh, it, it's it's a major. They, they got to win a major. I Like, I know Brooke can win on the LPGA. Granted, she hadn't done it in a couple of years. But, but that's not the thing. Like, it, it it's more speaking to... They need to win a major here, uh, or else I have serious concerns about, you know, the the importance of their career going forward. And so one one win, it's a great win for her. Some good bulletin great... board material. Listen, you can yeah. only win the events that are in front of you. Exactly. Uh, I'd like to think maybe I motivated her this week, and it's an important step, perhaps, to to capturing a major this year. But this doesn't do anything. Uh, people need to people need to understand that. What I do like about the LPGA Tour is they don't have this completely oversaturated calendar like the, the PGA Tour players do, and that definitely not. I'm overgeneralizing when I say that all tournaments are created equal, but there's not huge variances in field strength week to week like there is on the PGA Tour. Yeah. So like you get a lot of the big names up there at the same time, and like a win like this, it's not as valuable as a major, but the field is not like tangibly different than what you'd see in a major championship almost week to week on the LPGA tour. Yeah. They went Wednesday to Saturday again, which I, I really like it. I think the overwhelming sentiment, people like it. It works. Obviously I've been on the West coast and so it's prime time on the East coast, but you, you have that Wednesday where it's kind of dedicated viewing for the LPGA and then, you know, getting Friday, Saturday night finish in prime time. It's awesome. I don't know how they could do that when they're not on the West Coast, but um, it's been a fun couple of weeks. Amen. I, I hate that Mike Wan's answer to that was just that, you know, they do better in ratings when people flip back and forth between Catching the channel surfers TV on Sunday. I feel like that I feel like that's a that's a little bit of a short term hit, you know, and the, the the best chance for long term, you know, moving the needle, if you will, on that would be to kind of own some of these nights. But it feels like also they they did the Wednesday to Saturday thing to allow for Singapore travel. Yeah. Is that right? Accurate. Yes. But yeah. And yeah. It, it goes back to what we were talking about with the PGA Tour, though. Like, each of these events and each individual sponsor isn't necessarily going to be willing to lay down on the train tracks to get run over. Right. So to help somebody else on the calendar or, you know, I while we sit here and, and maybe like that, again, if the numbers say a, a different story, like, we're going to get a different story, which is unfortunate in golf, but that seems to be that way for the foreseeable I'll have future. to... Uh, I'll have to get with my guy, Big Flask, see what the numbers say. <laughs> How about Wilshire? Um, How great was that to watch? So awesome. Wilshire was cool. That was one of the cooler courses I've watched either tour in, in quite some time. What made it cool? Uh, the Barrancas were really cool. All the little like ditches, runoffs, uh, just off the greens were 
unbelievable. You had, man, I, I guess, you know, Jin Young Ko is definitely the, the best example of it, but just some players missing in fucking terrible spots. Ass spots. <laughs> Ass spots. <laughs> just some of the worst spots you've ever seen, which I don't want to read too much into this, but I didn't know if that was... I don't know if that was players, you know, just a drastically different golf course than what they usually play week to week. And I don't know if that was players just having the habits of going directly at flags. I don't know. I don't know what that was, but there were some like you're watching on TV. They were slow motion car wrecks. It's just like, okay, cool. I see the, the green from behind. Absolutely. If you dropped 100 balls, you better not hit one of them in that spot. And like they just kept doing it. It was <laughs> it was unreal. Uh, and it, but it made for awesome TV. Some of the ups and downs they made. God, that chip that that uh, Brooke had on eighteen oh, to so to good. ice it was just unbelievable. Uh, it was really really fun. Awesome awesome golf course to watch. Yeah, it was. Uh, it seemed like the course was playing really fast and firm too, which which probably you know, is why they were hitting it over some of those greens into yes. into some of those spots. But and, still, and what made it fun? It seems like that's the way the course should play. Um, I, it's looked like on TV the greens were pretty small. I mean, it didn't look like huge landing areas necessarily, and especially with them being so firm, um, it, it was a little difficult. Uh, what'd you guys make of so? Jess Corda started the the final round. I believe she was at 16 under. Jin Young Ko was 15, and Brooks started four back at 12 under. People were like, Randy, was this a crowning? They were very concerned <laughs> that Brooke may have been crowned. Uh, what's your take there? Well, we got a couple questions about this, and I didn't, of course, save any of the right ones here as I go to ask it. But this, the, the pace of play honestly looked to be an issue. A lot of people were talking about that and that Judy Rankin was all over it, but if I may say, Brooke Henderson was not the fastest player in that threesome. And Jessica Corda and Jin Young Ko are famously fast players and look to be at least perturbed on at least one occasion. The final one they being... They were good, like, hole and a half behind the group in front of them. Jin Young Ko teed off on 18, the <laughs> final hole of the tournament, before Brooke Henderson got to the tee box. And I love that. Which is a flex. I'm not it's timing shots, flex. but, man, they were taking a lot of time around the greens, like, really wearing them out and... Uh, and Judy Rankin made the point just of like, yeah, slow play doesn't really you know, getting put on the clock or getting behind pace doesn't affect the slow players. It right. affects the fast ones. It makes you go even faster. It makes you uncomfortable. Some people that are very uncomfortable with falling behind and not playing quickly feel like they have to play even faster, whereas the slow players don't speed up. I don't I could be wrong here. I don't know Brooke Henderson as a slow player. I've not known that to be, you know, something that, you know, correlates to her in the past, but Whatever it was about this tournament, if it was the wind really picking up, which it did on the back nine on Sunday, the firm greens, the just the kind of difficult decisions that had to be made on what kind of shots to play around the greens, how much break to take in and out of putts. There's just a lot going on there, but she seemed to be the only one that was really having trouble with the pace at the end. I always struggle with it too, where you know the broadcast, very understandably so, it was going to be one of those three players who won. And they did a good job of bouncing around to Ali Ewing and, and a couple other people who were, who were making runs, but when you're focusing so much on one group and you're seeing so much of one group lining up putts, it's easy to kind of skew like this is the slowest player I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, she did seem very, very slow. No, like definitely no, no protection on that, but it is, it does get a little skewed when it's the mm -hmm. only group you're seeing. But a great question from Tusum is full. Does it matter how fast Brooke Henderson plays on a Saturday night broadcast in a pandemic? <laughs> Which, uh, I, yes, I, no, I totally agree. Well, I, I'm usually in the camp of like, dude, I don't don't get worked up about slow play because it's an entertainment product and like gives them a chance to get around to see other stuff, blah, blah, blah. 
However, the exception I'll make is if it is having a tangible impact on your playing partners and putting them in uncomfortable positions, yes, we care about the fast yeah. play. Is that fair? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It, it As a viewer, like it doesn't affect me, of course, but as it affects her playing partners and competitors, that's I think that's where, you know, that the LPGA, the rules, people like that, that's where you have to step in and enforce some stuff. If I may say, and this is, can be the 500th decision we've made on this pod that is not our decision to make, but LPGA should do whatever they can to push harder and harder for these awesome golf courses that probably can't or won't host a PGA Tour event to, you know, I know it's a tough, it can be really tough sell for memberships to convince them to give up their course for a week. And I don't know what you have to do to make it a great experience for members hosting, you know, a gala of some kind where all the members can hang out with the LPGA players, almost kind of like a pro-amp, whatever you got to do to kind of get on these courses. Like that is what is going to make this like watching LPGA tour golf, you know, that be appreciated, right? Like watching them hit those shots, you know, a golf course that is probably not long enough, uh, you know, to host a PGA tour event and doesn't have the infrastructure, but like, having the women play on these places that you know the men can no longer play at at the top level is should be a market they hammer absolutely hammer over the next decade yeah yeah i totally Amen. agree and i think that's where you know the us open uh the kpmg women's pga uh to name a couple obviously the ana is is stationary and i think the evian is stationary but those other two majors and then um, the women's British is going to some really awesome venues too. So I'm excited at least on a major championship venue. And then, yeah, I, I have to think it's a little bit more difficult uh, on some of the annual tournaments, uh, but hopefully, you know, like, God, I, I know they're going to Inverness for the Solheim cup this year, but just the LPGA drive on last August from Inverness and Toledo, like that's a course, if they got to play that every year, it'd be awesome. But you know, it's also like a major championship venue. So it's, it, it's a little bit of a balancing act there. Wilshire. So to your point though, I, I thought Wilshire felt like it was right in the middle of that, right? Like yeah. it didn't feel like a complete punch you in the face, major championship test, but it also felt like a really awesome, really enjoyable golf course to watch. So it's hopefully they stay there. I know this is at least what the second year they've been there. Mm -hmm. uh, so hopefully that sticks around. Cause it's, that was that's one I'll circle to watch next year. I had a blast watching that. I was gonna say I was gonna have a call out to the listeners if like, all right, if if they're gonna play on these courses, we gotta watch. All right, <laughs> we, I just need people watching. Right, let's reward them for going to some cool places and tune in and watch LPGA Tour golf. And there's so many courses, you know, like there are so many courses across the country that would fit that mold. Yes. Um, so we'll see. What uh, some specific stuff? Obviously, Jessica Court is playing some really, really good golf. Another good week for Nelly. Uh, did you guys have any other takeaways? I, I had a couple shout outs that I wanted to uh, to give. DJ, our girl Dana Finkelstein finished tied for twelfth. Huge. We spent a day with her down at the Game Bridge when we were making the Madeline Sagstrom video. And, spent a day uh, watching her. I don't think we talked to her. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that's what I mean. Spent a day watching her play golf and. It's just remarkable. She has to be so perfect to compete out there. And, you know, to finish tied for 12th this week is a, an exceptionally good result for her. Yeah. Well, I said. was just going to say that Jessica Corda, Nellie Corda, Austin Ernst, Lydia Ko, Patty Tavitanikit, and Brooke Henderson as your winners to start the year. Hell is that, yeah. Is that any good in the, in the year that you have the most television hours you're ever going to have? Like, that's what we're talking about. That's exciting stuff. And honestly, I, maybe it was just the commercial. 
that that kind of did me in. But the Singapore event looks sweet. Yeah, I'll, I'll oh. be I'll be DVRing that one. That's got some cool hours too. Like yeah, some some nighttime. Yeah, I also wanted to sorry last shout out Gab, Gabby Ruffles continues to to impress. Just so so steady, so good. Uh, I'm super excited to you know see how her next 18, 24 months progress uh, out on out on the tour. Breaking news that uh, Cam Smith is keeping the mullet. He says sorry to his girlfriend, but he's keeping the mullet. That's a big development. Huge. Also, that had to kill Jim Nance today, who Andrew Catalan was on the call today that, you know, he said, Cam mm, Smith's said wife, wife. I know. I, Jim Nance would have never made that mistake. <laughs> Absolutely never made that mistake. I thought Catalan was good, though. He's fine. He's totally yeah. fine. Yes. Uh, yes. I thought he's fine. Let's get it to our <laughs> what's in the bag segment of today's show. DJ Pie, as we teased in the beginning, is going to chat with us about his Apex Irons, about the combo set, uh, about what his experience has been like, how long you've been doing it, and I need to hear kind of your your breakdown of it. Sure. So I just got him a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's the first time I've ever done the combo set. I love the regular Apex Irons. That's what I've always always played in the past. Uh, I think honestly, if I'm if I'm being totally candid, I I don't I think I was drawn in by how good the Apex Pros look. Which you guys have both seen them now. They look fucking sweet. They, they uh, do. And so I, I'm honestly, I, you know, I'm almost throwing myself uh, upon the court here to, to see what your guys' reaction is. I know we've played a little bit of golf the last couple weeks here, but I don't know if it's the right fit for me yet. I don't know if I, I. So the way it works, you know, we mentioned this at the front, but I have uh, four iron through seven iron are all the regular apex. Think of those as the. You know, the fatter sole, the, the kind of cavity backs, like the classic Callaway irons. And then my eight, nine pitching wedge are all uh, the Apex Pros. Kind of the little sleeker, uh, almost kind of blady looking. I know that's going to trigger some people on the refuge, uh, but that's fine. Uh, and yeah, so they're a little more more of a, a workable scoring club, uh, I guess, to use your your copy from the from the front. The thing is, I don't think I, I've been hitting it horrible, so I don't know if it's if it's the combo set. I don't know what it is, but there's something that's very interesting that's going on there between, you know, that that how I'm feeling with a seven iron and how I'm feeling with an eight iron are two very different things mm. right now, which is not something I know. You know, I don't know if I if I love that. I don't know if I need to put in some more time. Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but that's that's where we're at right now. So a lot more questions than answers right now. I think we might need TC here to help you through this more than I than I can. But I would say, like, I don't. I think you would trend more towards like Apex Pros than Apexes, like in theory. But you have to be comfortable with it, of right? Course. So I would have to say you need more time with this experiment. One, that's where I'm at too. I think, and and I do feel like the ones that I've hit a little, you know, they don't even when they don't feel as good. I do feel like I've I've had more than I ever have. You know, balls that like, oh, whoa, that did. I was going to cite. That did get to the front. Exactly. Oh, whoa, that did get to the middle. There is uh, an example of a in a So video. I need to get a little more comfortable with that. Yeah. So if you're not hitting it great, it's hard to tell what you're, you know, you know, if your clubs are right for you or what. Like, it's hard to make the judgment call. Yet, there's nothing about your game that makes me think like, oh, you need all the help you can get with your <laughs> irons. You know? That's kind of where I was at. Yeah, I was trying to, I've always loved the Apex Pros. Wanted to dive in, I, and that's one thing I love about the combo set is it's, it's a good foot in the door. It's a good... Uh, you you need clubs that are less workable, though, just to make exactly, you hit stock shots that's and exactly stop right. doing cookie, cookie, <laughs> snappy. 
I've been better about that. I've you been have. better at like hitting, you know, hitting to the middle of the green. So let's just uh, let's let's play chess. Let's just go from point A to point B. Uh, a little less less art, unfortunately. I'll just say in playing against you, some that I have, I have a I have a little more fear when you're holding like a short iron now than I did prior. So maybe if you're not feeling it, that yet, helps. Like as an opponent, I was kind of like, ooh, like he one the Apex Pros sound unbelievably good. Like with when you make impact with it, and it just when I see you standing over one with like that. Just the way that that back of that club sets up, I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. We we played some matches against each other this week, and it didn't feel great watching you hit hit shots into the greens the combo, as your opponent. The combo set though is is cool from that where, uh, you know, when you do reach for one of the Apex Pros, and you know, it, it is a, it's a cooler feeling reaching for those than it is reaching for the Apexes. I think like those almost feel like all right now it's it's business time. Like let's you know let's put one close here. We've we're pulling out one of the the really sharp knives. <laughs> We're ready ready to make some cuts. What's a realistic handicap for you to get to? Like, what what's a good goal for you? Because uh, I'm gonna say whatever you're gonna say is your number. Like, probably not Apex is right, you, you right, know right. I mean? No, exactly. I think if I play well, I mean, I I would think I could. My handicap should start with a two or a three by the end of the year. I think if I if I start driving it better, I, it's not the irons. The irons are not the issue, right? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just have been driving it really really bad and the less i play the worse you know kind of the rustier the short game gets so when you're driving it out of play and have a rusty short game it's really easy to you know not break 83 uh so i do think once i'm driving it better uh, and you know hopefully maybe maybe putting into some some new game management type stuff <laughs> uh people some, might see that in a video coming up uh i think 2 to 3 is is a a stretch goal but a realistic goal and thank you for not laughing me out of the building for 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 verbalizing that. No, I think it's very realistic. Uh, thank you, Randy. Anything to add? How could I possibly? <laughs> Any other housekeeping items before we uh, wrap up today? We got some uh, some. Oh gosh, I got one thing I want to hype. We have a podcast coming out this Tuesday that has been in the works for quite some time. It is a uh, look into the 1991 Ryder Cup, the War by the Shore. Uh, originally planning a couple episodes. It's going to be one mega episode. It's going to be about two hours long interviews with just about, not, I don't want to say just about everyone involved in 91 Ryder Cup. Rattle off some of the names. Paul Azinger, Chip Beck, Paul Broadhurst, Lanny Watkins, Corey Pavin, Pavin, Dave Stockton, Bernard Gallagher threw his book. Mark Kalkovecchia. Mark Kalkovecchia. There's more European. Jim Moriarty. Jim Moriarty. Um, Bernhard Longer, did you say? Bernhard Longer, of course. Like every detail you want of, all the, all the final matches and the whole week and the crazy drama of Dave Stockton. Dave Stockton gave some incredible insight on it. And Stockton and Gallagher to this day still don't get along. I had such a blast putting this together. Uh, it is something I probably should have hyped up more leading into it, but I would like if everyone listened to that one because that took a very long time to do. <laughs> uh, Neil and I listened to it on our drive back from Pinehurst. Absolutely loved it. I learned 300 things that I did not know about the 1991 Ryder Cup. So I thank you for that. It's, it's really great. Kept uncovering all these facts and crazy stuff about it that just is, gosh, it was incredibly entertaining. It so. got me really hyped for the Ryder Cup. Yeah, honestly, I know it's still months and months away, but it it uh, I I struggle to get quite as hyped as you do for the Ryder Cup. I know you're thinking about it, it every day for the whole two year window between them, but uh, it got me really amped for like I I, I can't yeah. wait to be at at Whistling Straits and and ready to go chomping Amen. at the bit. Amen. Uh, anything else on the content front for this week? 
I would just like to uh, give extreme kudos to Mr. DJ Pie for his edit job of The Week in the Life with mm. Madeline Saxstrom released last week. If you haven't seen it, check that out on our YouTube video. It is a really fun, interesting deep dive into Madeline Saxstrom and what a typical week on the LPGA Tour is like. Thanks, Big. Unbelievable stuff. I know that it was incredible reaction from everyone. Thank you, everyone, for the feedback. But yeah, I echo those sentiments and that uh, it's it's weird to say proud of something we've done that I didn't really have anything to do with the edit, but like that's the the pride I felt watching that was it was strong. Well, thanks. You yeah. guys are you guys are too nice. Too kind. Way too kind. Uh, we're doing a little filming this week. Um, I guess we'll just save that one for for later. A little bit of travel this week. I got Florida Mid-Am Qualifier, Tim Aquana Cup, and U.S. Open Locals coming up in the next eight days. So hope that goes well. <laughs> That'll be nice. Good uh, time to peak. It'd be a good, very good time to peak. I can't say I've been, you know, practicing a ton leading up to it, but let's you do. Let's go ahead and send it. So, Randy, any party thoughts? TC and I get to go out to the U.S. Women's Open Media Day tomorrow, actually, Monday, at Olympic Club in San Francisco. So we are both very excited about that. And then we have our event in Fort Worth at Colonial this week. Fun, travel-filled week ahead. Lots of golf. So good luck to you, and uh, I guess that's it. Kudos to us for getting to go to some cool places. <laughs> <laughs> good job, big guy. Uh, man, this just hit me, and we're gonna, we'll take this offline, but we should do our own pip score oh yeah i just thought of this randy i was going to ask you what you're going to do to increase your your impact score this week oh it's got to be positive right no I, ours can be either <laughs> okay I'll, I'll probably get in uh Let's females get ass a little bit. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe egg on some canadians <laughs> all right that's gonna do it for this week thanks everyone for tuning in we'll see you next week cheers cheers be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect.